Gratitude is a habit and lifestyle that grows from the longings and praises rooted deep within our desires and experiences. It produces a thankful heart, a grateful expression, and it reminds us that living a blessed life now is only a glimpse into what's to come. So go ahead, take a look around, and cultivate gratitude in every season. Good morning. How's everybody feeling after Thanksgiving? Y'all ready to pop? Hey, I am convinced that Thanksgiving has got to be one of the best meals of the year. Anybody with me? I want to play a little game with you this morning, and it's called uh, One or the Other. Okay, so you got to choose one or the other, and we're going to play by show of hands, okay? So how many of you are ham over turkey at Thanksgiving? Ham over turkey. Come on, be proud. Start the family fight. You can do it. Ham over turkey all day, all right? How many of you are deviled eggs over cranberry people? My people. That's right. Hey, listen, if you can bring yourself to eat any sort of cranberry product after hearing it gloop out the can, something is wrong with you on a different level. Deviled eggs over cranberry. All right, how about this one? How many of you are sweet potato over mashed potato people? You're wrong. You're wrong. You're not right. You're wrong. All right, last one. How many of you are wet dressing over dry dressing people? Praise the Lord. Yes, okay. I was not among friends at 8 o'clock, but I am now. Hey, I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to just go a little wild on Thanksgiving. And uh, I have a gift from me to you I'd like to give you. And these will be available on me at the Commons if you need some. Okay, I've got them in my backpack right now. Hey, no matter who you are, no matter where you stand on the Thanksgiving menu, I think we can all agree that eating with our closest friends and eating with our closest relatives is special. Can we agree with that? Can we agree on that? Hey, I can bet I can tell you this too. The people that you eat with the most, in all likelihood, are probably the people that you are the closest to, right? Hey, this morning I want to show you something. And before I even get started, let me just kind of give you a little heads up. We are going to take the Lord's Supper this morning together. We're going to take communion. Um, if you forgot yours, you don't need to slip out and get it. We'll have people that bring it by to you before we do it. But this morning, I, I really want to talk to you about where the Lord's Supper started. I would say that in the Scriptures, it is the greatest meal that we have recorded, that is recorded for us. And it's a meal between Jesus and his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. And here's what's so special about this meal. Jesus sits down with his disciples, and we're going to look at this today. And Jesus knows that a couple hours from now, the guy sitting across the table from him is going to betray him. Jesus sits down and Jesus knows that he's going to be crucified on a cross, that he's going to undergo public humiliation. Hey, I don't know about you, but when I know that I've got something bad coming, that really tends to be the only thing that I can focus on. And not only do I focus on it, but I want to bet other people focus on it too, you know? But Jesus here in the meal of the Last Supper is going to teach us what it means to focus on the blessings of life. 
We've been going through a series, a gratitude series. And we've talked about two words so far. Two weeks ago, Kevin talked to us about being thankful. About responding to God, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, in thankfulness. And then last week, Cliff came and he talked to us about what it means to be, to be grateful. And today we come to the final word in this gratitude series. And the word is blessed. Everybody say, bless him, Lord. Blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Hey, here, here's my goal for you and for me this morning. No matter what you came in here with, no matter what you came in here without, that when you hit those doors and you leave, that you would be able to say and know, I am blessed, God, and thank you. Let me tell you where we're going this morning. Oh, before that, I got some other stuff to say. It's really good. Hey, listen, blessing. Here's what I mean when I say blessing. For the believer, blessing should be the filter that you and I see all of life through. It is the filter that we're supposed to put on and walk through every day and be recognizable that the blessings are all around us. One of my favorite pastors, Kevin Lee, put it like this. Blessing is when I see that God is still at work in every bad thing. Blessing is when I give glory to God for every good thing. Blessing is when I know and understand that when injustice has taken place in my life, that there is one who is going to bring ultimate justice to whatever situation. Blessing is when I know as a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, when I know that what lies ahead of me is greater than what lies before me. Blessing should be the filter that we look at life through. Blessing isn't just concerned about the what, but blessing chooses to focus on the why. And when we know the why, when we know that God is behind it all, we can walk through life and know that we are blessed. It understands and recognizes that even when we don't understand, it recognizes that the Lord can still work in it. Hey, this morning we're going to look at the Last Supper with Jesus as his disciples. And we're going to see three ways that we can all know that we are blessed. Before I read the scriptures to you, and before you read them with me, will you just say this over yourself? And listen, if you're new here, you need to know I'm weird. I am the weird one. And we do this every time, okay? Would you say these words over yourself? Would you say, God speak, and I will listen? Father in heaven, we, we cry out to you, God, and we need you. God, we pray that you would come to us in these moments, God, and that you would speak to us through your holy word, God, that you might send your Holy Spirit to anoint this place today so that whatever we walked in with or whatever we didn't walk in with or whoever we didn't walk in with, God, that you might speak to us today and show us that we are blessed. God, would you come would you anoint this place, God? Would you send the Holy Spirit to walk the aisles and to minister to people as your word is read and as it is taught? God, would you give me the words? Would you give me clarity of mind this morning? I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. This passage of Scripture comes, as I said, hours before Jesus would be betrayed. He calls his disciples together and he tells them to go get the Passover meal ready. And that's where we're reading today. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. And that is on page 633. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20 on page 633. 
Hey, before I read, my name is Michael. I'm honored to get to be one of the pastors here. I'm the student pastor, and if I've not yet got to meet you yet, I would love to do so in the commons after service. But here's what the Word of God says. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I will not eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is broken and given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Hey, the very first thing that Jesus draws the disciples and his own attention to in order to know that he is blessed is he calls them to know that we are blessed when we look back. We are blessed when we look back. Hey, it says here in this passage that they are gathered together to celebrate a feast called Passover. Everybody say Passover. The way the scriptures depict it is that this feast just so happened. They just so happened to be gathered during Passover. But friend, you need to know this isn't a just so happened moment. There are no coincidences in the scripture. This is God ordained. And God is ordaining this moment to look back at Passover. Hey, maybe you're a Bible nerd like I am. Maybe you're not. Hey, that's okay. Let me remind you what Passover is and what Passover was. There was this guy that was born in Egypt. His name was Moses. Moses becomes a prince of Egypt. But we know from the movies, we know from the scriptures that Moses decides one day, I'm taking matters into my own hands. So he kills an Egyptian. He runs, he flees, he leaves and then God, in the middle of the wilderness, shows up 40 years later and says, you're the one, Moses. Go back and set my people free. I'll give you the ability to do signs and wonders. The climax of Moses' story, going back to Egypt, is the 10, 10 plagues, right? And the 10th plague is the most powerful of them all. God says in the 10th plague, you better get all the people together, and you better tell them that the death angel is coming. But I will provide a way for the plague to pass over you. And here will be the provision, Moses. You tell the people to go take a lamb, to go kill the lamb, and take the blood of the lamb. And on the doorposts of the house, on the entrance, you take the blood of the lamb, and you cover it on the post. And that will be the provision for the death angel to pass over you. Hey, friend, look at me and listen to me. If God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And you better pay attention. And you better listen. And you better do exactly what he's told you to do. Because he does not lie. The death angel came. It is exactly as God said. All those who listened and obeyed were spared of their firstborn. And those who didn't, all their firstborn children died, even Pharaoh's son. 
This was the moment that finally broke Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said, get out of here, leave me alone. And 1.5 million people walked out of Egypt as free people, and so... They started celebrating every year what God had done by looking back and by celebrating this meal called Passover. And that's the meal that Jesus is having with his disciples. He's inviting them to look back and to remember Passover and to know that they are blessed with the superpower that we all possess called remembering. Everybody say the word remember. Hey, remembering is one of the most powerful tools that you have in your arsenal. Hey, when I think about the word remember, my mind can't help but go to one place. I go to Lion King, right? And it's after Simba, I mean, he's met the new friends that eat bugs, Timon and Pumbaa. It's after that, and he, he realizes who he is, and he's, he's running away from who he is. He's out in the middle of the field, right? And the camera pans out, and there's Simba, and he looks up at the sky, and there's the voice of his father, Mufasa, and Mufasa says this, Remember. Remember who you are. Hey, it's not just Lion King that calls us to remember, but did you know that God Almighty calls you and me to remember? Because when you and I fail to look back and remember what the goodness of God has done in our life, the devil comes knocking and he's gonna put some other things in your mind. But God here says, remember and look back about the blessings. There's another time in Scripture, Moses has died and Joshua is leading the people in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 4, and they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan, and before the priests step foot in the Jordan, the whole Jordan splits and the people cross over, and God says, I don't want you to forget that this moment happened. Build up 12 stones of remembrance and put them in a pile, and when you pass by and when your children's children pass by and say, Mama and Daddy, what are those stones? I want you to remember and I want you to tell them remember look back hey, a couple weeks ago two weeks ago Kevin gave you some homework here's the homework in case you forgot or in case you didn't do it it was to take spiritual inventory of your life and write down the things that you were thankful for y'all know what starts back up tomorrow starts with S ends with school school Hey, homework's due. It's time that that list be done, brother and sister, if it hadn't been done. Have you wrote down the things that you are thankful for? Hey, I was thinking about this this week because it just convicted me because here's what I know about me. I don't need help making a list of what I'm worried and anxious about, and neither do you. But we do need help making a list of the things that we're thankful and grateful for. Hey, I've got some things in my life that I am so thankful that God came and answered prayers for me. Hey, some of you know this story about me. Some of you don't. Some of you probably going to agree with this story. I remember I was in college, and I had just got done with my last speech final, you know, the speech class that you got to take in college. And my professor called me in, and she said, hey, listen, you need to know I'm giving you a D for the class. You don't even deserve a D. I'm giving you a D, so you'll never be in this class again. I'm thinking, well, that was real nice. I appreciate that, Miss Tina Tolbert. Y'all look her up. She's still teaching. Tina Tolbert. And uh, then she says, what are you planning on doing with the rest of your life? 
And I said, well, I think I'm going to be a preacher and a teacher. And she said, you better find another plan. You, you better figure something else out because this ain't it. Hey, I'm thankful that I got to pray and say, Lord, I know I can't do this, but I need you to help me, Lord. Will you show me who to be? Will you show me how to be? I'm thankful that I can look back and see the blessings of God in my life. Hey, I'm thankful for the very first time that I ever heard and I saw Lena and I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, that's her. Will you bring her to me? Will you, will you let her be the woman that I get to marry? And for nine months, I chased and she said no. And then we finally agreed to go on a date. And you know what we did? We didn't go on a date last minute. It was awesome. But I prayed and I asked and the Lord delivered. Hey, I remember when we were in Arkansas and when we were pregnant with our very first child and we lost the child and Leah's, Lena's laying in the hospital and I'm praying, Lord, would you let the doctor make it in time? Would you just let the doctor get here so Lena can be okay? Hey, I remember it doesn't seem like it's that long ago. I remember when I was at a place in my life where I was asking God for one of two things. I said, God, I either need you to give me peace right here, right now, or I need you to rescue me. I need peace or I need rescue. God, give me something. And 14 days later, I met a man named Kevin Lee. And then I got to meet all of you. Hey, Jesus is pointing to the fact of his disciples that when you look back, you will remember and know that you are blessed, so look back. Hey, are you looking back and remembering all the things that the Lord has done for you? Are you looking back and remembering all the blessings of life? And can I, can I just remind you of something, brothers and sisters? If the only thing that God ever did for us was send Jesus to die on a cross, and he did, and make a way for us, it would be enough for us to spend eternity worshiping over. Everything else is icing on the cake. Good icing, confetti icing, like good icing on the cake. Are you remembering are you taking inventory of your life and saying, God, I, don't, I know I don't deserve this, but I thank you for the blessing? Hey, can I tell you something? This blew my mind this week. Can I tell you that there is a relationship that happens in your brain between worry and anxiety and being thankful and grateful? Hey, any, anybody in the room, you're a worrier? I'll go first. I'm both hands up. I'm a worrier. I convince myself I'm going to die about once every two months, right? Like, I just know it. I'm going to die. I'm getting ready to die. I know it. Hey, I'm a worrier. I can be stressful to be around. Pray for Lena. Hey, did, did you know there's a verse in the Bible, Philippians 4, 6? I just want to read it to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but just, just listen to this. It's almost as if God himself is the author of life, knows what we need. Here's what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Did you know that scientists have just discovered that it is impossible for your brain to feel stress and worry and anxiety at the same time that it feels thankful? It's impossible. Like, you, you, you cannot walk around living in stress and worry and anxiety if you have a thankful heart. It's, it's almost as if God knew exactly what he was saying, isn't it? And when you look back and recount the blessings, you'll know that you're blessed. 
And let me show you the second thing that he draws his disciples and our attention to. Luke chapter 22, verses 17 through 19. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Listen, and he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces. And he said to his disciples, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus here takes two things that they would have been familiar with. He takes a cup of wine and a piece of bread, and he says, this is me. I am the wine. I am the bread that's going to be broken for you. So the second thing that he's pointing for them to look at, to know that they're blessed, is to look to him. We are blessed when we look to him. Jesus here in this passage is drawing his disciples' attention to himself. He's saying, guys, this is all about me. This is about me. Hey, he is calling them and calling us to understand that this thing called Passover, from the very beginning, this whole idea of being covered by the blood that is put on posts, wooden posts, is all about him. He's calling us to know and to recognize that it will be his blood that covers us that will enable us to be passed over. That death and the penalty of it and sin and shame will pass over all of those who claim the blood of Jesus. And then he said this about the bread. I I, I think it's so interesting that he takes the bread and he could have passed it. But it doesn't say that. He says that he took it and he broke it. He broke it and then he said, this is my body. Hey, hours from now, the broken process of Jesus' body would begin. He would be betrayed by someone that he was closest to. He would suffer in a way that is unimaginable for us. He would stand before a crazy false trial. They would falsely accuse him and condemn him. They would spit in his face. They would pull out his beard. He would be publicly humiliated. The Bible says that he was scourged beyond recognition, that to look at him after the Romans did what they did to him, he was beyond human recognition. They would take a crown of thorns and they wouldn't just place it on his head, friend. They would beat it on his head. They'd put his cross on his back after he had been scourged and his back would be wide open and flayed. And they would make him carry his own beam to the cross. And he would fall. After he got to the cross, they would lay him down. And what they didn't understand is that they weren't laying him down. He was laying himself down. And he would spread his arms and they would drive nails in his hands. And they would put his feet together and they would nail his feet to a cross and he would be raised up on a tree where he would literally suffocate to death. And they would pierce his side. Here's what's crazy to me. 
at any moment in that process, Matthew chapter 26 tells us that at any moment with a word, Jesus Christ could have said, enough. And a legion of angels would have came down and rescued him. At any moment, he could have said, I'm not doing this. But he did it. I want you to hear me on this, but I don't want you to just to hear me on this. I want you to feel this. Why would he do that? Why would he do it? Isaiah chapter 53 gives us the answer. Listen, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Hey, look at me, hear me, feel the weight of this. He did it for you. He did it so you didn't have to. He had you and me in mind in his last moments on the cross when he shouted, it is finished. All the sins of Michael Sharon are paid for. It is finished. Hey, no matter who you are, no matter what you came in with, no matter what you came in without, you are blessed when you look to him. Your life can be blessed as you look to him. Can I ask you a personal question? Like, I'm a pastor, so I'm allowed to ask personal questions. How are you doing looking at him? Uh, here's what I mean. He, he tells the disciples to look at the bread and look at the wine and to recognize and remember who he really is. Like, how are you doing with that? Do, do you recognize him? And I'm not talking about, right, I think Cliff nailed it last week when he talked about that there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. I'm talking about that believing God part. Are you looking at him and do you recognize Jesus Christ for who he really is, the son of the living God who was sent to die on your behalf so you didn't have to, and he's the only way, he's the only one that can raise us to newness of life. Do you know him? Or do you recognize him? You might be here today and say, you know, I know of Jesus, but I don't really know him. Hey, can I just tell you, the book of Romans tells us that there are two things that every human being has to do in order to be saved. And friend, I love you, and I'm telling you by the authority of the word of God, if you've not done these two things, you are not saved. You are not a Christian. You are not a believer. The very first thing that the Bible says that you have to do, Romans 10 verse 9, is that you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You have to say the words, Jesus, you are Lord. Lord over all creation, you're in charge, Jesus. And if you're a Lord over all creation, it means that you are Lord over me. Hey, can I tell you what our biggest problems are? We want to come to God and we want to take all the goodness of God and say, yeah, pour it on me. But we want to hold on to all of our own goals, all of our own ambitions, all of the things that we want to do. Hey, look at me. Being a believer means that you wake up every day and you know this is not about me. I died, and it's Christ who lives in me. Have you said the words, Jesus, you're my Lord, and are you living it out? Do you know that nothing about your life is about you anymore? That's the first thing that the scriptures say that we have to do in order to be saved. The second thing that it says that we have to do, it says that you must believe in your heart. 
that God raised him from the dead. Hey, the Bible didn't say believe in your head. Believe in something in your head's easy. It said believe in your heart. Because heart knowledge drives us to action. The book of James says it like this. Your faith without works is dead. Your faith without a heart knowledge that leads you to do something is dead. It's a dead faith. Do you know him? Do you recognize him? Have you done those two things? Have you confessed Jesus with your mouth as Lord and given him surrender of your life? And do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Hey, friend, if you have, you're saved. Hey, friend, if you haven't, you are not saved. You are not a believer. You are not a Christian. And I'm not saying that to bully you. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because I feel like the church as a whole does a horrible, terrible job of teaching people what it means to come into a relationship with Jesus. It's about surrender and it's about belief. So we're blessed when we look back and we see the goodness of God in our lives. We're also blessed as we look to him and we see the sacrifice that was so willingly poured out for us as we see the gospel. Here's the third thing that we see. Luke chapter 22, verse 20. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. He takes the cup and he said, this is the new covenant. Saying that there's a new something means that there's a what? There's an old something. So we don't just look behind us. We don't just look at him. Here's the third thing. We also are blessed when we look ahead. He's saying, look ahead. Something is coming. This is the blood which is poured out for my new covenant. Everybody say the word covenant. I want to just briefly explain to you what I believe the difference between covenant is and what contract is. Hey, humanity deals most often with humanity when it comes to contract, okay? Here's the thing about contract. Contract requires two people or two parties to do something for the contract to work. Here's what most probably all of you have as a contract. You have a contract with your employer, and your employer says, if you show up and you do these things, I will contract with you, and if you do what you're supposed to do, I'll do what I'm supposed to do, and what's it that they're supposed to do? Put money in your, put money in my pocket. That's a contract. It's dependent upon two people doing what they say they're going to do. Hey, God doesn't deal in contract. God deals in covenant. And here's what covenant says. Covenant says, I will even if dot, dot, dot. Hey, human beings, we only commit to two covenants in our lives, the covenant of marriage and the covenant of God. The, the covenant of marriage, I mean, it's so easy to see, right? The covenant of marriage says, even if you get sick, I'm gonna be right here. Even if, Michael, you lose all your hair and put on all that weight, I'm gonna be right here. Even if it all goes to pot and we got no money and there's sickness and there's this and there's this, even if I'm going to be here. Hey, you know what I know? We got a really bad track record of keeping our covenants that we make with each other. Hey, but look at me. God's got a perfect track record of his covenant. God's covenant says, I'm going to be here. I'm going to love you. I'm going to provide for you even when you blow it. And here's, here's a big part of his covenant. If you will confess your sins, I will forgive you. Jesus here says, this is part of the new covenant 
this cup, this wine that represents my blood that will be poured out for you. I never really liked history class in school, but there's this guy that I'm thankful that did. His name is Josephus. Everybody say Josephus. Josephus is an ancient historian, and most of his work is authenticated. It's great. But Josephus says, and Josephus writes, that during this feast of Passover, this feast that they are now celebrating, that in Jerusalem alone every year, Josephus says that there would have been 250,000, that's a quarter of a million lambs, sacrificed at Passover every year. Hey, one thing has never changed about God's covenant. The sacrifice of blood is required for the forgiveness of sins. So every year during Passover, 250,000 perfect, spotless, blemished lambs, as close as they could be, would be walked in to be slaughtered for the forgiveness of our sins. Hey, I didn't like history class. I really didn't like math class. But I did a little studying to just see how many lambs is that? Well, Passover started about the 5th century, and it ended with Jesus. That's about 500 years. So I did a little math. 500 times 250,000. It's 125 million lambs. That's a lot of lambs. If we, if we took a vat, just a bucket, imagine a bucket big enough to hold the blood of 125 million lambs. And we put that next to a single drop of Jesus' blood. You know which one's worth more? The blood of the Lamb of God is worth more than all the blood of all the lambs that were ever sacrificed before him. When he says this is the new covenant, he's saying, y'all, I'm about to finish it all. I will pay for it all. The Lamb of God's blood outweighs all the other lambs that were slain. And his blood is the key to this new covenant. I go, what is this new covenant? What does it look like? Jeremiah chapter 31 says this. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after those days. I will put my instruction deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sin. Hey, here is the new covenant. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you're from, from the least to the greatest, if you accept the blood of Christ, you can know God himself and he will forgive you of all of your sins and all of your iniquities and all of your transgressions. The Bible says that he will write his law on our hearts. Y'all ever uh, done something wrong before? Maybe you said something, thought something, or did something that you knew you shouldn't have done, and before anybody else can even offer you correction, you know right here, boy, I shouldn't have done that. Boy, I shouldn't have said that. Boy, I, I should not have thought that. You know it right here. You know why you feel that way? Because the law of God is written on the hearts of men. I mean, you ever, you ever seen a little kid before? You ever have to tell a little kid that they did something wrong, or you ever find them just in the corner, and they just know, I did this wrong, and I shouldn't have done it. Uh, hey, that's because of the new covenant. The law of God is written on our hearts and it's written on our hearts to point us to him. 
And the new covenant says, if you'll recognize it, if you will receive the blood of Jesus Christ on your life, just like it was received on the doorposts of the houses and the death angel passed over, sin and death and its punishment and consequences will pass over you. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's a new covenant. And Jesus here is saying, look ahead because something here is coming. I, I want to close with, with this thought. We spent our time together looking at the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples. And as far as I can tell in the scriptures, it's the greatest meal that Jesus ever has with a group of people in the Bible. He reveals who he is, he points us to blessing, and he reveals what is coming. But friend, listen to me. I came here to tell you today that that meal that Jesus had with his disciples, even though it's the greatest that's ever happened, it is not the greatest that is to come. There is another meal that is coming between Jesus and his people, and look at me, you don't want to miss it. And here's the best news. There's a place at the table for you. There's not going to be a kid's table or the long-lost relative's table. There's going to be one table. And it is between God and his people, and there's a place there for you. And friend, I'm talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's in Revelation 19. It's in Isaiah 25. And at this meal, God tells his people, if you're with me, if you're in covenant with me, I will gather you together. I will wipe every tear away, and I will swallow up death forever. And we will step into eternity, being blessed for all eternity with his presence. Hey, you don't want to miss that meal. You don't want to miss it. And you've already been invited. Will you be at that table? Is there something you need to do in your life right now to make sure you're at that table? Have you been saved, friend? Do you know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and he wants to be your Lord? Three things I want you to know this morning as you hit the doors. You're blessed as you look back and remember. You're blessed, you're blessed as you look to him and as you recognize the blessing of his sacrifice. And as we look ahead, we can be reminded of the blessing that is to come. We are a people that are blessed. Hey, here in just a moment, we are going to take communion. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Hey, if you're here this morning, maybe you walked in late, maybe you didn't hear the announcement. Um, if you didn't grab yours when you came in, you don't need to get up, you don't need to move. All we need you to do, if you forgot yours, or if your terrorist has opened yours and it's on the floor somewhere and you need a new one, just raise your hand. We'll bring it to you, okay? But, but we're gonna take Lord's Supper together. If, if you need it, just raise your hand. There are people coming to bring them to you now. But we're gonna take the Lord's Supper together. Partly because it's fitting, and the other thing is because the Lord's Supper embodies all three of these things that I've talked about to know that you're blessed. It embodies looking back, it embodies looking at Jesus, and it embodies looking ahead and knowing where all this is going. I want to share just a couple things with you as cups and elements are still coming. Share a couple things with you for you to just keep in mind before we do this. The scripture is super clear that the Lord's Supper is not a little thing. It is not something that should be taken lightly. There is record of the New Testament in the New Testament of people taking the Lord's Supper. 
And Paul would say that they drank the Lord's judgment on themselves and they got sick and some of them even died because they did it in an unworthy way. So a couple things I want to remind you of for the Lord's Supper this morning. Number one, the Lord's Supper is for believers. It is for those who have been born again, who are saved, surrendered to God, who believe in their heart the gospel. Number two, it is to be done after we examine ourselves. Let me read to you a portion of scripture and explain what I mean. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 29 says this, So anyone who eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Here's what I want you to do. Before we take the bread and before we take the cup, we're going to spend some moments examining ourselves. Michael, how do I do that? How do I examine myself? You do what the psalmist did. The psalmist said that he came before the Lord and he asked the Lord, Lord, would you reveal any wicked way in me? Hey, listen, listen to me. For some of you, you don't even have to pray that prayer. You know the reason why there is separation between you and the Lord right now. And listen to me, I am telling you, do not take the Lord's Supper before doing business with God. If you're at a place right now and today, and you know, I cannot walk away from that, and I know it's, it's in between me and God, do not take the Lord's Supper at all, okay? Do not do it before you examine yourself. And as you examine yourself, ask the question, God, is there anything that's in between me and you right now that I need to deal with? God, are there any sins on my heart that I have forgotten about that I need to confess? Is there anything, God, in my life that you know it ought not be there? Show it to me. And then you take moments and you take time and you deal with it. We will not take the Lord's Supper until we have examined ourselves. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you do business with the Lord. Ask him, Lord, is there any wickedness in me? Lord, is there anything in my life that's being practiced that shouldn't be there? And you bring it before the Lord, and you confess, and you repent, and you agree with him about it. blessings that you've given us, to look at your son and to know and to recognize who he is and what he's done for us, and to look ahead and to know 
that, God, you said you're preparing a home for us. You said you're preparing a meal for all those who are called by your name. God, we look at this moment and we honor you. God, we bring our sin before you right now and we confess it. God, would you give us the gift of repentance? God, we thank you and we recognize that it is you and you alone who has the authority and the ability to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. And God, we give you praise that that's the type of God that you are. You're the type of God who receives sinners. God, we love you and we praise you for that. God, we pray that you're honored this morning by the Lord's Supper as we remember who it is and what you've done for us. God, I pray that you would be with us now. In Jesus' name that we pray and everybody said. We take the bread. The Bible says in Luke twenty two nineteen, and he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. now the cup. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22, 20, after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Take the cup. Will you pray with me as our band comes? Father God, we love you. God, we worship you. God, we give you honor and we give you glory because you are the God who saves us. God, you are the God who loves us with covenant love, who loves us in spite of who we are. God, would you shape us? Would you mold us to be the people that you want us to be? People that are surrendered, people that are living out in faith. God, we praise you for Jesus, for his finished work on the cross. And God, we proclaim publicly this morning that there is no forgiveness of sin without his shed blood. Jesus, thank you this morning for breaking your body for us, for making a way. God, we love you. We praise you. We want to honor you. It's in your name that we pray and we say, amen.